Crawling on your knees towards it Welcome, welcome, what's up Mona? Hey, Merry Christmas! Christmas Eve service, and there's if you're new and there's anything we can help you with, come and ask me, ask somebody beside you. Uh, the restrooms are downstairs. If you need access to the restrooms, we're glad that you have come to join us tonight, and we're going to be singing and lighting candles and reading scripture, and the portion of scripture that we're going to walk through tonight is one of the most famous passages in all of the Bible. It's in uh, Luke 2. And many of you will be very, very familiar with it. But before we jump in, I, I want to give you a little background and uh, focus us in on, on what we're doing tonight and give you a little context of the Christmas story when it was first, when it was first heard. So in, in the last portion of Luke chapter 1, uh, there's a guy named Zechariah. And this was Jesus's like earthly uncle. And he begins to prophesy about this coming Messiah, the coming king into the universe. And he's what's called taken up by the Holy Spirit. And he starts speaking about the deliverance of God uh, for the Jewish people. And any Jewish person in that day would be thinking in terms of like national deliverance. And Zechariah's prophecy sounds Like it's now time for the Israelite people to get out from under the thumb of Rome, the Roman Empire. And uh, they were the oppressive enemy of the Jewish people in the first century. And so this is the context in which the first Christmas comes to be. And this is what Zechariah says. He says, God's going to save us from our enemies so that we can serve and worship him without fear. And then Zechariah starts to prophesy about his own son, John the Baptist. And and he he says this, you child, my child will be called the prophet of the most high for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. And this is what that means to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Now, what are we doing here tonight? Uh, What the church offers people in each age of the church's existence is salvation for all kinds of people. But the great enemy is not physical and it's not outside of you. This is what redemption means, that the worst thing that's happened in my life is that I left my God. That I love the one who loved me the most. That would have never ever left me. And I recast my problems in the face of others. In the face of my circumstances. To hide from that awful truth. That the enemy is me. That my greatest enemy is internal. And that that is the true darkness that we sit in. The shadow of death. Entrapped within our own selves. And that's why we come to celebrate Jesus Christ. Our desperate need of him. Um, Unto us a child is born that's going to give light of salvation. the, The hope of all people in the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of God. Whereby the the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Now when we light up candles tonight. uh, That's what we're offering to each other for ourselves and for each other. That this is what we're holding out. 
that a light in this dark world has broken in specifically into the hearts of human beings. And that starts with me and you. Luke, the writer of this gospel that we're walking through in chapter two, he's a doctor. Uh, His Greek is high end, like he would have went to Harvard. You know, he's like that, that type of guy. And yet every commentator that you'll read about Luke says that Luke is the first one to overemphasize the poor, the, the, the outcast women, prayer. And you'll see some of those themes as we walk through Luke 2, that this is the way in which the gospel comes into the world. Um, and so we're going to start that great narrative tonight and we're going to reenact this great Christmas story together tonight. Um, and let's begin by singing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. So I'm going to have you guys all stand and bring you lead us. to spend some moments in silent uh, prayer before we uh, jump into the text with a sermon. And so that's what we're going to do. And one of the things that uh, Mary does here in our passage is that she treasures up these things and ponders them in her heart. And that's what we're doing in this moment of silence. We're uh, pondering the fact that Jesus The Son of God, fully God, fully man, uh, came into this world 2,000 years ago and is still very much present and alive to us by the Holy Spirit right here now. And it's so, so very easy to forget that uh, for so many reasons. And so we spend some moments in silence and meditate on that together. And so would you do that with me? And then I'll uh, talk about this passage for a little bit. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Spirit, we ask that you would come be with us, that you would breathe on us the breath of life, and that as we ponder, like Mary, what it is that you've done in the world, uh, what it is that you've done in the hearts of human beings, um, that we would worship, that we would know uh, that what this message of the angels said is true over us, that you Uh, are pleased with us because of Jesus. That you look down and and you're not scoffing, you're not upset, um, you're not um, mad, but because of Jesus Christ, you look at us and you're just so proud, you're so pleased, you're so happy with us. And so, Lord, uh, the incarnation brings that truth into the reality of our experience as human beings here in the world 2,000 years after this happened. But I ask, Lord, that you would give us a fresh uh, look at the Bible tonight um, as if it was happening for the first time. And so would you do that by the Holy Spirit in Christ's name? Amen. So uh, who who are shepherds? You know, when I think of shepherds, there there's a guy in my dad's hunting club. He was kind of the leader of it. His name was Billy Fortson and Billy was good with his hands. He could do a lot of stuff. Um, He was very wise. He was outdoorsy. He liked Jim Beam a lot. I remember that, too. Uh, When I think about shepherds, I think about Billy Fortson. Um, My good friend growing up, Tremaine, lived down the street from me. He had an uncle named Uncle Junebug, and Uncle Junebug would sit out on the porch. He had thick-rimmed glasses, and he drank red Kool-Aid all the time. 
And I think of shepherds when I think of uh, Uncle Junebug. He would call out for Tremaine. He would say, ha ha, Tremaine. And that when he was ever at my house. And that meant, Tremaine, it's time to come home. Um, I think of Uncle Junebug when I think of shepherds. Or, or my step-grandmother, Amy. She was a keeper of bees. And she liked to talk to squirrels and cats. Um, she was at one with nature. These were shepherds. Outdoorsy folk, folks that were, you know, of the earth, uh, normal folks, but could be strange at times. And these are the people that Luke is saying that these are my first eyewitnesses to the credible account of God coming into the world as a human being. Normal. Um, He didn't come and, you know, if you read the first verses of, of Luke, He's saying this is a very detailed, credible eyewitness account of how Jesus, the Christ, came into the world. And these are the first eyewitnesses. They see angels. They go over to Mary and Joseph. um, And so there they are in their fields watching their sheep. And I know it says in the text that a company of angels showed up. But that that word is uh, a host, which means an army, Um, probably sorted angels, shields and and uh, probably many, many angels showed up in the middle of the night while they were doing their blue collar work and they were afraid and also intrigued. Um, and so they run, verse 15, over to Bethlehem in haste and they find Mary and Joseph and then they see this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. You know where animals are because there is no room for them in the end. Now, uh, many of us have heard this story over and over and over again. Uh, but imagine this is one of our teenage daughters here in this church, Mary. Imagine this is, you know, the, the shepherds didn't know what Christmas was like. They had never experienced a Christmas. They were living it. They were living Christmas for the first time. And I think that's what we're engaged to do here with this text. And And so what they do is that they told Mary that this message that they received from the angels was indeed the good news and hope of the world. That's what angel means. It means a messenger. And oftentimes human beings get so confused about what God's doing that we need an interpretive message. And that's what an angel does. They come and reveal to human beings what God's doing. And they always have to say, don't be afraid. And this passage from then on focuses in on Mary being so consumed with the gospel message from these angels that she can't stop thinking about it. She can't stop dwelling on it. She can't stop meditating on it. And the reason why is because Mary was the first human being to house the king of the world. That's where he lived, in her womb. And she is... So taken by this. Now, what is the gospel for Mary? Uh, It's that the king of the universe who has come to fix everything has come through her. And it starts with reconciling people's hearts back to God through the forgiveness of their sins. But God does this work in and through Mary, quite literally through her body. And this is what Christmas is about 2,000 years later, that God uses people like you, people like me, people like Mary, people like just people like, you know, 
Uncle Junebug and these shepherds to restore everything that's been broken. Everything. Uh, Pastor Steve said this a few weeks ago. Uh, He said that God could have done it any way that he wanted to, to fix the broken world. But he chooses to do it through people, through your story, through my story. Now, why? Why does he like to do it that way? And I think you know the answer to that in your soul, deep down. Um, you know, when you have a gift for someone that you are 100 percent sure that you're going to blow them away with this gift, like they're going to love it and you know it. And the reason why you know it is because you've been paying attention to them very specifically for the past year. And you've been listening to their heart and listening to what they like and listening to what they long for. And you know exactly what it is that they love. That's how God is with you. That he's been listening to the longings of your heart since day one. And he knows what kind of gift is going to blow you away. And he says, you who are evil, Jesus says this, you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more do you think that God is going to give you the Holy Spirit? Isn't that a, like, that's a strange thing to say. Unless what that means is that what he knows we want most deep down is him. That we want our our hearts craving like we learned last week is our desire is is for him. And everything in our flesh and in this world pushes against that. And yet he's coming. And that's the solution that we find here for God to show us what that famous verse, verse 14 says that there's peace with those with whom He is pleased that you have the divine smile hanging over your life. That God can't not be pleased with you ever because of Jesus Christ. That you are to walk through this world with that kind of peace. That God is pleased with you. That's the true gift for all of us. God's delight is to be near you. And sin is in the way of that. And that's why Jesus has to come. So like four years ago, it uh, on Christmas Eve, it snowed. It was my first winter here. I'm from the southeast. It was my first winter in, in Nebraska. And being from the southeast, when it snows, it's very important to get out in the snow before all your neighbors do. Because it'll mess up all, you know, they'll, they'll go and mess up all the pristine uh, freshly fallen snow. And so it's uh, I, I, the forecast that it's going to snow. I wake up at like 530 a.m. Sure enough, there's a lot of snow. And so I'm just like, we got to go. We got to go now. Ambrose, get up. And so we walk, you know, we go out into the park and all this fresh snow. And um, like no, no one even thought about coming out of their house until like 10 a.m., you know, and Sarah's at the window. there, just laughing at us and she thinks it's it's cute. But, you know, what, what if she was looking out the window and she's like, y'all are such idiots. Like, you could sleep like three more hours. Like, why don't you know this? Um, and as I, as I think about uh, how I often think God views me, and as I hear y'all talk about your view of God and how you think he views you, many people that think that that's how God views him, that you should be further along. You should know better. 
you shouldn't be so oblivious. And here's the beauty of the gospel narrative, and especially here in Luke, because everyone's so normal and ignorant and excited and ready. Um, God is not upset with you that you're not further along. He really is okay with exactly where you're at. He wants you there. And the point is that in this moment, what he wants from you is for you to know that he is very, very accessible to you. That he desires you. And he knows that you desire him. And that's why Jesus came into the world. The reason why he's not upset and wanting you to come along is because he sees one of the reasons that he sees the finished product of who you'll be. The glorified said what we just sang born to raise the sons of earth born to give them second birth that in his view of you. That's how he sees you as perfect. If you want to know God, you can. Because of this baby here in Luke two, if Jesus was for real, when he talked about the spirits work in us, he is more accessible to you than he was to Mary as she's holding him that first night. Which means that you house the gospel just like Mary, that you have it in you and you can give it to other people and you can speak it to yourself. That you have God's pleasure hanging on you. You get this picture of Mary quiet, maybe alone. Verse 19, it says that she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And I don't know if you can just imagine what she's thinking. You know, she gave birth to the one that holds and sustains her very life. That's strange that the Lord chose to use her to give birth to salvation. And this is what God likes to do, that he's saying through the incarnation, I am not at a distance from human beings no longer because of Jesus. Mary is unique, but she's a picture of all of us. We are made to be used by God to be his presence in the midst of the world and for each other. And that's what you want to be. When we are united to him, we play a part in that great gospel Christmas story. The words for treasure and ponder here in Greek have this connotation of like putting things together and seeing how everything fits together. And there uh, for Mary, you know, there's there's not going to be like a life free from pain. You'll see here in a second that Simeon is going to prophesy about her. Mona will read this, but Simeon's going to prophesy. He's going to say, through your son's soul's piercing, many will be saved. But what also is going to happen is that your own soul will be pierced as well as you sit there and you watch him die. That is the mixture of what this life is about and what Christmas proclaims. There is no world free from darkness. There is no world free from pain until the new creation. Which means that there is no salvation without a curse. Hence the purpose of Jesus. He became the curse for us. And Jesus shows us that the only way forward is through. Particularly through him. And that's what we do tonight. And when you go to sleep tonight and you think about gifts and you think about food and all the stuff that we enjoy in this world, you can enjoy it and it's good, but it all funnels to him. He's pulling everything, as it says in Ephesians, he's pulling everything in union to him, making heaven and earth come together in him. And that's why we're here tonight.
And so as you hold these candles, I want you to meditate on him like Mary did. Um, Let's pray and continue to worship. Father, we thank you for uh, revealing yourself to normal people, um, to uniting heaven and earth in the person of Jesus. And that begun at his incarnation, death and resurrection. And that continues to the work of the church throughout each age. That great gospel in Christ's name. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 